Hello, you lovely lot. I wanted to take a moment to share an exciting announcement with you all. I will be doing a live show for Happy Mum, Happy Baby at the podcast show in London on the 22nd of May. This will be a live episode of this very podcast featuring me and a very special soon-to-be-announced guest. Get ready for a candid conversation, unfiltered truths, laughs, invaluable non-judgmental advice and lived experiences. Dive into the complexities of parenting while juggling work, relationships and personal growth and we'll be talking beyond the baby years. As well as the live episode, the show will also include a Q&A with both me and my guest. Tickets go on sale this Friday the 26th of April at 10am, but anyone who is part of the Happy Mum, Happy Baby newsletter will be getting early access to tickets on Wednesday the 24th of April at 10am. To sign up to the newsletter and for more information about the event, please head to happymumhappybaby.com forward slash events. I can't wait to see you there. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Happy Mum, Happy Baby, Asking for a Friend. This week, we're talking about vulnerability and how to deal with some of those more difficult questions we face as parents. As parents, we're meant to have everything figured out, be on top of our lives as everyone else is around us, and know how to answer the interesting, tricky and deep questions that you're asked while you're in the loo, trying to sort out the poonami of your other child. It's never a good time. And our guest this week is a podcaster, author of But Why, and the mother of all lists, it's Clemmie Telford. Hi. Hello. Um, how are you? I'm okay, actually. I'm okay. I wanted to look at vulnerability in parenting, mm. and I figured that you were the perfect person to talk to about it, because these are an extension of the podcast in a way, their own thing, and to allow the space to talk about a certain topic in a broader sense. Mm. And I find with you, what you've done with Mother of All Lists, you have brought so many people together talking about their most vulnerable times so often. And so I thought you would be the perfect person to talk about this with. Mother of all lists. Yeah. It's incredible. And I can remember, 
I can't remember which child I was pregnant with, but Holly DeCruz was over doing a hypnobirthing session and your name popped up. But she didn't really sell it. She was like, my friend, she's got a blog. It's She writes lists. And I was like, OK. <laughs> it's a bit more deep than that. I think I was just so lost in the hypnobirthing that, you know, I, I didn't realise what it was until afterwards and I actually went to check it out. So how did Mother of All Lists come about? So Mother of All Lists came about, first of all, actually, there's a precursor to it called Lists on the Northern Line, which I started writing when I suddenly found myself suffering from terrible anxiety. And I used to have to travel from Balham right up to Covent Garden on the Northern Line every day. And to stop myself having a panic attack, I would write this stream of consciousness blog about whatever I was dealing with in my life. And I did that for a few years and then, you know, got on with other things and didn't think anything of it. And then when I had my kids, I found myself wanting that same tool, mm. that way of processing things by literally just streaming it out. It's kind of bullet journaling before bullet journaling was a thing. Yeah. You know, I couldn't think in paragraphs, but I could document whatever it is, whether I was wrangling a, a bit in our relationship or mm. a challenge about work with motherhood. And then in time, I invited other people to come and write for me. And, and the great thing about the list format is anyone can write in that. Mm. And how did you get to But Why? I but mean, why? <laughs> but why? But why? I mean, you could probably answer that. Because I've got three <laughs> kids. I've got three kids and they've got a lot of questions. And actually, even since writing that book, my eldest now is nine and a half. And the shift in our conversation really? re recently, he's, he's just really scrutinising things rather than just batting questions out there he's he's asking good questions where it's, it's making me stop and think I came about wanting to make sure that I was answering those yeah well rather than just the reflex reaction which is so often the case because you're exhausted when they're asking you well I love the fact that in the introduction you're kind of like if you've come here for answers <laughs> I'm really sorry I'm more confused than I started yeah but I, I mean going to the topic of vulnerability I think that's the ultimate lesson of motherhood. I, before my kids had you know, a successful career, and I was like, well, I know how to do this next thing. I'm going to read the stuff. I'm going to prep myself. I'm going to have a kid and I'm going to nail it. Mm. And and what you learn is that there is no prep for this. Yeah. You, you constantly feel like you're on the back foot and you're constantly showing up in, in the most unarmed version of yourself, which, mm -hmm. which to begin with is terrifying. It's actually reflecting on the journey here. If you think about that that first bit of motherhood when I've never changed a nappy before, I've never bathed a baby before, I've never breastfed a baby before, I've never put it in a swaddle before, all those new learnings within mm -hmm. and hours, <laughs> hours and, you've, and you've just been through labour and yeah, and of course you feel vulnerable because you don't know what you're doing, and that's a very scary place to be. Yeah, and that, and that's across the board. What in whatever way you've given birth, you know, yeah. I always think of mums who have had a C-section and physically, those things physically on their body, like having to get out of bed when you've got stitches. Like I think of my poor sister, like not even being able to pick up her baby to mm. try and do those things. I think the vulnerability happens straight away, and it, a very extreme way because normally up until that point you've got a pretty good gauge of what you, what's going on with your life you've been doing yeah. your job and your friends and I feel like you kind of have learned how to navigate those things and suddenly you're just stripped back to your most raw version yeah and, and it's it's really disconcerting and also I think it's that thing of like oh and it's just me I mean yes ideally with your partner as well but it is so particularly for the mother it's on you to figure it out yeah 
Like I, I would hope that this, the work that we've done mm. throughout the years would kind of make Change people that. say it's okay. Like let people in when you're finding it hard. Mm-hmm. Tell people because, you know, there'll always be someone else there who's like, yes, I feel that, I feel that, and are relieved that you've shared it. Mm-hmm. But actually being the first one to say, guys, and often you're at a point where it just comes out like you can't hold it back anymore (laughs) that's again that is it isn't it there is no coping strategy I think because for me I was the first of my peers none of my friends had babies first of my siblings had babies and so yeah I had no one to pave the way for me and actually we came into this at a very similar time we've got similar age kids Mm. but there wasn't the conversation wasn't there then now I feel very that it's quite common that we talk about how hard it was but I, I didn't feel that that is the way I hope generationally that shifted a bit, that people can know it's okay to feel like that. But the problem is, much of it is your own coping, isn't mm. it? You know, I'd, I'd put my out, nice outfits on to try and feel better for myself, most of all. Yeah. Do you think there's a thing then in, in the third time round or subsequent children where you've kind of, you've lived it? Yeah. You've lived it and you've got a, a broader idea of things happen, you can't control it, mm. you've got to just find the humour where you can. Yeah. And just roll with it and be kinder to yourself because it is messy. Like, I think you come to a point where the, you realise that the idea of motherhood that you had, this, you know, this sound of music, Maria Oxo mum kind mm. of version of it that you thought you would be, isn't reality, actually. Mm. And it's something very, very different. And I think when, it, when you've done it once and realised the hard way that it's not that, mm. you just do end up yeah. accepting it a little bit more. I think that's it. But yeah, I've got friends who've had babies recently and you don't want to sit there as the voice of doom, but you you do watch the thing. You have to be completely broken down by it, really, yeah. I think. Which sounds... There's still so many people saying, but why didn't no one tell me? Yeah. And now I'm kind of a bit like, well, people are telling you, people are saying it, but your ears are not there. Yeah. I think it's only, possibly, it's only when you really need to know that other people are in that mm. position that you find that. Maybe that's true. Maybe that's true. But also you want to believe something, don't you? That's true. How old is Greta now? She's four and a half. Four and a half. So do you feel like you are starting to find yourself again? I really do. I really do. There's a few moments recently. Actually, we went on a holiday not that long ago and I read three books. (laughs) And I was just like, wow, it's taken nine years. That's so funny because it's one of those things you go on your first holiday and you're like, oh my God, this is so different. And it's amazing because look, I'm making sandcastles. But at the same time, it's not that it's not relaxation sweet spot that it used to be, no. not in the slightest. Going back to the subjects of vulnerability, there's a thing that I'm beginning to learn that as a parent, I don't need to be liked by them all the time. Yeah. And that's a real transition to go with. You know, I, I, yeah, of course, I, it's great to be fun and to give them what they want, but... I'm trying to be a bit more steadfast because if I think but if I think of the one thing I want to be to them as a parent, it's reliable. And for me, that often means having your ducks in a row in terms of having the house in good order mm-hmm. and making good plans and, and not scrabbling around in chaos. But yeah, that especially now as they're a bit older, that comes with a bit of barrage of abuse from them because it's not what they want. And yes, yeah, it's, it's it's not always easy not to be liked by them. It's a kind of a core value in all of us to want people to like us, including our is. children. There's a brilliant Bluey episode, which I might have talked about before, <laughs> where they want to go swimming. And mum doesn't go swimming, dad takes them. But they keep calling mum boring, like she's the boring parent. But then dad takes them swimming, but he forgets the towels, he forgets the snacks, he forgets the sun cream. So by the end of it, they're in the pool, in the shade, and they don't have snacks. They're cold, they're hungry. But mum comes along 
and rescues them. But she's the facilitator of yeah. the fun. She might not be there actively splashing around, but that fun wouldn't exist no. without mum doing the boring bits. It's important though, isn't it? And, mm. and to stand in that place and go, actually, this works for us as a like, dynamic of our family. But yeah, I do sometimes feel like the boring one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on Asking for a Friend, mm -hmm. we ask you what three questions you have been asked the most. Yeah. What have you been asked the most, Clemmy? So this is going to be a bit of a tangent, but um, I don't drink. I gave up drinking three years ago. And that is the, the subject that is most prevalent in my DMs. People predominantly saying, what do you say to people when you when you don't drink because yeah. lots of people are interested in in reducing the amount of alcohol they drink but are really worried about the judgment about that exchange oh why aren't you drinking how can you possibly be having fun yeah. without a drink in your hand and and that feels like a, a real sticking point and i completely understand that there's a, a long time before i actually gave up i'd go out and be like i really shouldn't have a drink tonight it's not going to do my mental health any good it's going to throw my tomorrow off mm. but now my answer to that question is you don't need to give anyone an answer. You can literally just say, I'm not drinking, I don't fancy it. And I've found the more decisive you are with that, the more people just take it. And quite quickly, people aren't really that interested. <laughs> but it's just a reflex of, of something. And it's a real shame that a reflex question from others might stop you following a path that feels much better for you. Yeah. And again, to link back to that vulnerability, it's doing things which aren't the normal course, you know, everyone has a drink on a Friday night. To not have that does make you feel vulnerable, but it's also about showing up in the version of you that works best for you. It's so interesting the people who, after several drinks, come up to you and go, oh, I'm thinking about giving up drinking. I'm like, well, yeah, I'm really, really happy to talk to you about it. <laughs> when you're saying Yeah, but otherwise we're, we're looping here, we're looping. Yeah. <laughs> what else do you get asked about? I get asked, they're all going to be heavy answers, but that's the nature of the content that I do. A lot of people say, should I get help? And that is either mental health and the doctor or going to a therapist for their relationship and my answer to that is if you're thinking you might need help get help and how do people do that because i i think it's one thing going yep get help so going to your gp is one thing yeah but you always get told to find you've got to find a therapist that works for you like where do you go to like is it a recommendation but then you have to start telling friends that you want to go down that route and you might not be ready to talk about those things that you want to go and see a therapist for so i i find that aspect of it quite tricky yeah it's really really difficult it's really difficult to find the right therapist and i've had diff many different kinds of therapy i think you do have to ask around i think you do have to write for personal recommendation and know what it is that you want to get I think in various points of my therapy I've tried to <laughs> solve all the things in my head and actually you know when I've been to therapy specifically for a relationship or specifically for body image stuff or whatever it helps with the outcome if you're kind of being single-minded and making sure you're getting the right person for the job and then with the doctors and, and mental health I, I think people worry that they're going to get treated in a certain way in any given day at a GP surgery, they will have seen several people with mm. mental health issues. And if it's such a shame that that should be the blocker to getting your help. And for me, whenever I have made the transition to see a therapist or a doctor, that is the exact moment when things begin to shift. 
it, it, it's the accepting that something isn't working for you. Is there almost a release and, and maybe a relief when you even have that appointment booked in, like you're on the right yeah. road? You're stop. And so, I mean, in the in the middle of all the work that I do, the worst thing that you can do is to keep these thoughts knocking around in your head. Yeah. Like, they just gather momentum and feel worse and more strange the longer they go around and then you speak it out loud and and again for me when I got diagnosed with generalised anxiety disorder I thought I was the only person ever to feel like that mm. and then you speak it out you're like oh <laughs> we're all well, there are lots of us feeling versions of this and not all of them might require going to see a doctor but you're never a weirdo for the things that, you're, that are going on in your head and it's yeah that, that stigma has to go across the board on everything every relationship goes through difficulties every family has difficulties you know everyone's mind sometimes plays tricks on them mm. and i think even with motherhood it's surprising that you get your checkup straight away you get the health visitor and then you're left you know to to not have some sort of system in place to make sure mothers are okay mm. you know it seems but bonkers. Yeah. Because the six-week check, which is mainly physical, it hasn't begun. No. Your adrenaline is doing it for and you. And I thought the six-week check was just to check whether my, you know, my, my muscles were doing, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, well, what's my pelvic floor doing? Is my, is my lung hanging out? <laughs> I yeah. don't know, you know. Is it that I didn't know what that six-week check was for, but it definitely didn't feel like it was for my mental health. No. I always think, for me, my absolute crash with all three of them was around about 16 weeks, four months. I think for exactly all those reasons, your adrenaline runs out, your hair begins to fall out, there's yeah. a bit of a um, sleep regression and people have kind of got used to the fact that you've got a kid by then. So No one's coming no, over. Yeah. A full month old is not as fun to no, hold a as, a, as, a, as a four day old. No, and and also there's that huge reality check that, that hits in, isn't there, where you're like, oh right, yeah, this is forever now. Yeah. And I've just got to get on with it. But, yeah, you're so right. Continuing to check in with friends. And I think she's called Amy Ransom, wrote a brilliant book about even with, like, second and third time parents. It's, you know, you haven't got the shock of having to be a parent, but your your hormones are still wild. Mm -hmm. Everything's been thrown up in the air again. You've now got the guilt from ignoring your other children even deeper into the trenches i would oh, say yeah. with subsequent kids because <laughs> there's just so much going on got no resources left no and i and i do think there's another thing that even when friends do message you you don't have like you when can't you can't reply you can't open up that dialogue you might reply in a week's time and then they're you know <laughs> they've forgotten about you by that point Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. What's your third question? People asking, will it get easier? Oh, <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> Just give me a glimmer of hope. <laughs> um, and you don't know what to say to that. Yeah. Even when things feel like they're falling apart, they never do totally fall apart. If mother of all this, then but why? And my own journey is anything, you know, the human capacity for survival is huge. And I think mm. actually in the context of parenting, it's why it does get easier because... I know all the all the sleepless nights we've been through, all the terrible car journeys, all the tantrums, and we're still standing and my kids are going to school and from what I can work out, they're okay humans. <laughs> but it will be it. but it'll be okay. We're yeah. doing okay. I yeah, I think what you saying that makes in my head I think of the words everything changes. Like nothing really sticks. At all. It's so true. And my big learning for myself, I turned 40 earlier this year, is to try and stop worrying about stuff that might never come to fruition. Mm. I can't tell you the hours of my life that I've tried to control my way through, that I've, yeah, that I've thought of all the 10,000 outcomes. And then by the time it comes to it, it never looked like that anyway. Yeah. And it's just like such a waste of energy. Mm -hmm. We're doing this big renovation at the moment. And I could lose sleep that it will never fall into place. But all I can do is look at the thing that I'm looking at today, which is lighting, try and sort that out, and then the next bit, and then the next bit. And, then, and it's the same with parenting, isn't it? Yeah. You could lie in bed and think, am I ever going to raise these humans to be okay? Or I'm just going to read with them tonight, feed them something okay tomorrow, and it'll hopefully be okay. Yeah, being in the present yeah. rather than worrying about the future and what might or might not happen. Because it just never works out, you know, and if the last couple of years has taught us anything, there could be this huge curveball at any given moment. And actually what I know about myself is when the curveballs come, I tend to be all right. Yeah. I'm worrying about the minutia. Minutia, what a lovely word. <laughs> I love that Do word, you? minutia. I'm going to start adding it to my vocab. But you can find those things where I'm like, you know, Greta will need some new shoes and then I'm, I'm 25 minutes into trying to find the perfect shoes for her. Oh, I'm literally just like, let's go on next. Is it your size? Great, let's get it. Done. I, I don't, yeah, I'm just, I don't... No point. No. no I might show it to them and say, what do you think of this pair? <laughs> you know, just in case. But yeah, I, I opt for ease. Yeah. Get it done. Yeah. Get it done. And But again, that's a big shift, isn't it, from trying to, to get, like, perfectionism and, and get the perfect pair of shoes. Yeah. I mean, I know as well, if I do show my kids the, the internet, they always choose the one pair that I think that I didn't want them to choose. And it's like, OK. But you have to let it go, don't you? Yeah. You know, I can't tell you the outfits, though, she goes to nursery in. Like, <laughs> I love that. It looks absolutely ludicrous, but... 
don't smoke this wall stuff. It should have been the same age that Buddy was at the start of lockdown and every day he'd get himself dressed and I would say that his outfits are the one thing that filled my days with joy because you just never... He looked a bit like a fisherman those days, you know. <laughs> off you go. Yeah. Off you go. It's You're fine. You're ready to have fun? Great times. Yeah, exactly. It fits you. It's kind of clean. We're all right. You're going to be warm enough. The kind of clean. See, that's the thing, isn't it? All these different pressures that you put on yourself, especially, I think, first time round. Oh, yeah. Like, you have to look presentable. You have to do this. And actually, we've got Dr. Megan uh, Rossi on this series of Asking for a Friend. And she said that dirt is actually really good for our kids. Yes. It helps their immunity. It's good for their gut. Well, so. I always think our happiest days are usually the ones where the kids end up grimiest. Yeah. Usually, bar none, where we're on a beach, in the garden, camping... When they look a bit feral, it means everyone's... The times when you look at them and go, Ooh. oh, I should probably stop you doing that, but you look so happy right now. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. It, you know, and then you have to clear it up later, but it, yeah. But it's worth it. It is worth it. I mean, I've had times where there's just mud everywhere, naked children and mud, naked children and flour everywhere, which I was sure was going to get us rats. <laughs> you know, just flour and water outside everywhere. It started to turn... Hard. I'm laughing because we went to see the, this the, our renovation house this weekend, and they took their clothes off when they got there. It is dust. <laughs> it's dust everywhere. I was like, "You're covered. You're disgusting. Why have you taken your clothes off?" Fine, whatever. Kids, they love nudity. Nudity. Yeah. We were talking earlier about the things that make our kids happy. Yeah. Water. Being outside and being a bit naked. Yeah, it's true. Um, but it's something very like. Back yeah. to basics. Yeah, about grounding it. about that, isn't it? Yeah. Fine, take your clothes off. <laughs> yeah, do, do whatever. <laughs> Going back to asking questions, mm. are there times. Well, I mean, if someone asks a question, if your child asks a question, mm -hmm. and I'm asking you because you've written a book, mm -hmm. but why? And you are asked a lot of questions by your kids. If they ask at a time that you are in the middle of things mm -hmm. and it's a little bit hairy, or they've asked a big question that you don't know how mm -hmm. to answer, is it okay to park it? I think 100%. 100%. I've, I've checked myself on it. I sometimes hear stuff coming out of my mouth because I'm fobbing them off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just go, actually, I'm going to think about this. Yeah. Because that's actually a really lovely thing. I, I love that when someone texts me and said, oh, I've been thinking about that thing we chatted about. Here's this extra bit. Let me think about it and let me come back to you. But I think the important thing is to remember to come back to them. Yeah. And not not just fob it off but sometimes as well it's important to know that they are just wasting your time but the wasting of the time is for a reason they want your they yeah. want your attention yeah it's almost a bit like let's not talk about that big topic right now yeah. i'll come back to you but let's have a little snuggle and read a book exactly i've I've tried to actually put aside time for my boys to have a chat i mean we mainly have to chat about football but it is really sweet to to just chat with them yeah. and the an easier solution is also ask them why they want to know and what they already know. Mm. Because, again, quite often they've already got quite a lot of the answers there and it, it might just be helping them navigate that. See, I love posing big questions to the kids while we're having dinner. Like, what is happiness? What What is that? You know, what is life? But they know, don't they? They always have the better answers. Yeah. They're unedited already. And, yeah. you know, we've, we've had all the corners taken off us. But, yeah, they know about it. The the core things is if you don't know, don't pretend you know. I yeah. think I think is the best learning I've had. Mm. 
On vulnerability, mm-hmm. I went to the Have My Baby community today mm-hmm. and I asked them, I'll tell you exactly what I said, mm-hmm. you know, just to make it a bit easier. Um, I said, being a parent is tough. It feels like we're meant to have solutions and answers to everything, but really we're making it up as we go along and often get it wrong. Is this something that's made you feel vulnerable or embarrassed as a parent? We had a lot of answers and, uh, and responses and I, and I want to share them because sometimes hearing other people's thoughts just make you go, Oh, I'm not on my own. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's questions, but I think for this topic, I think comments is is easier. Not easier, probably maybe more, more beneficial. Mm-hmm. One person's put, as a parent, we are told not to compare children. Should we also be told not to compare parenting? Oh, it's really fascinating. Oh, it's a good one. Yeah, because we can not compare the kids as they go no. through their baby groups or whatever. But, you know, it's about taking the judgment out. One person has put, not being able to walk or sit down after an episiotomy and everyone was visiting me. That's what made her really embarrassed. Oh, just the thought of that just reminds me of that pull sensation. Often embarrassment leads to feeling more vulnerable too. Mm -hmm. Very true. One parent has put, particularly navigating a normal situation with a neurodiverse kiddie. I worry that people might think I'm treating my biological child and adopted child differently. I hate public tantrums. A lot of them are tantrum-based and being out and about and that feeling of, I should know how to handle this situation and my child is face down on the floor, kicking and screaming, and I don't know how to handle that Mm. in this situation, which I feel as a parent often makes us react in a different way to what we would at home Mm. because you're not just... Your focus is not just helping the child or doing what you can to get out. It's very much focused on, you know, Joan and Andrew who are stood by the door judging you and pretending they're not looking, but they're really giving each other the side eye and going, God, that lady can't control a kid. But usually I think people are just thinking, I'm really glad that's not me. Exactly. They're not they're not judging you. They're, usually people are empathetic. Most yeah. people have had to deal with that at some point. And your kids always sound noisier to you don't they? Oh, absolutely. I always say Izzy Judge came over when they just had Lola. So we had Lola and Buddy. There's three weeks between them. And I can remember Izzy going, and Buddy's scream was so loud, like ridiculously loud. He had this massive mouth, just helped it, helped come out. And I can remember Lola, just like this very minimal, And Izzy was like, oh my God, she's having a meltdown. I was like, that's her meltdown. How is this even possible that that sweet little cry <laughs> is a meltdown? Like a yeah, and mine is just like, ah. But it does. I think you worry about what other people around mm. you are thinking. But so much of that is the judgment and the guilt that we place on ourselves. Yeah, because we think that we look like we're terrible parents. Yeah. But you're not. You just got a tantruming child. Yes, which is so normal. It's so normal. <laughs> I think it's important that we show kids that you can be vulnerable as they get older. That's an interesting thing because I can remember one episode of the podcast, it was Jono Porter said she lets her kids see her cry. Mm -hmm. She's like, this is, mummy's having a bad Mm -hmm. day, mummy is sad, this is me. Mm -hmm. I wonder at what point do we ever have to hide our vulnerability from kids and is it okay? Because if you're saying to kids, it's okay to feel these feelings, Mm -hmm. you know, they are just a normal part of life, then how much do we shield them from that? I think the it's a really good question. My thing is, I I show all my feelings to my kids, but it's really checking yourself that they might to avoid them feeling responsible for them or that yeah. they need to do anything. You know, that's the thing that you don't want to burden them with them. But yes, feel the feelings. But I, I think they talk about in therapy, like being a container for your own feelings. So it's not hiding it, but not letting them spill onto them. Yeah. yeah. And what about apologies and stuff with kids? 
whether to get them to apologise. Or you saying sorry. I, yeah, I definitely apologise. Do I apologise or I acknowledge when I've my feelings have been out of control, if mm. I've been too angry or and try and give that context. Yeah. Because yeah. also, if, I guess, because when my, when my kids explode in a way and act out, it's realising you're feeling angry because, yes. you know, and, and I guess it's that same thing yeah. with us. I'm sorry I shouted. I was frustrated because of yes. whatever. And I think maybe that it does just help us have that dialogue. Yeah. I mean, Anna Mather talks about also if you if you feel like feeling rageful, that's usually because something has been ignored. So whether it's mm. feelings or, or or a need in yourself, and that's why you get to that explosive thing. But it's so hard as a, as a as a, as the mum as the as the person that's meant to be in control of the whole house and have everything mm-hmm. sorted and sussed to go actually. I need something and that I'm not getting yeah. or I, I can't get myself through this situation or I don't know what to do. Yeah, it's terrifying. But we're rare, it all comes back to the same place. We're, we're very scared of loss of control. Mm. And actually, sometimes you, you do lose it. It, it. That isn't that you failed or it isn't. And again, I think similarly to how it looks in public, when you lose it, it feels so much worse in your body than probably yeah. it appears to them. Yeah. But it's a horrible feeling, isn't it, when you just absolutely lost the ball. <laughs> <laughs> when you're just like, I don't want to be this person. No. And, and that's the battle in your head, isn't it? Yeah. I don't want to be this version of, of a mum for no. you. But I think often it's about expectation. You, for me, it's like when I had these days in my head where we're going to do this lovely thing and we're going to have a lovely time. Oh, and they always They never work apart. out. Yeah. They do. Put your shoes on, put your shoes on, put your shoes on, stop moaning. And, yeah, it's always when you have much lower expectations of yourself and the situation that it always works out better, doesn't it? Mm, Absolutely. No one warned me that having a preteen and teen would be this hard. I feel like I should know what I'm doing. Clemmy, we're not out of the woods yet. No, I almost... My water guy came out of my nose then. I I know that it's coming. (laughs) I know. I know it's going to get really hard again. (laughs) And one person has written about how she... I read it earlier how she was really worried because she knows how, from her experience, how she doesn't want to parent, having, like based on how she was parented. And I think that often seeps in mm. so much into that vulnerability, which Philippa Perry talks mm-hmm. so brilliantly about, you know, how it, all these different triggers go off. And you're like, I oh, know I want to be on that path. Mm-hmm. And there's just this thing that's pulling you over to the way that you don't want to do it. Yes. I mean, the, the problem is, my fear is that I sometimes might ladder so far the other way. But I, I, I really hope that even having the consciousness of, of where you want to be yeah. puts you somewhere else. But also the, the, the thing about parenting is you have to hold it all in your mind and think, I might end up being more like the thing that I didn't think I wanted. Yeah. And, and for good reason sometimes. Mm-hmm. In life, but particularly in parenting, whenever I've had an idea of something and tried to stick steadfast to it, is when I've come unstuck. It's kind of accepting that things take the shape they take. Yeah. The overriding theme of a lot of them is not being enough. We all feel like that. Yeah. We all feel like that. That is a thing. And I think it is that expectation thing that we think we're going to do, that we think we're going to be able to provide everything. Mm -hmm. And that, I think, is what is rooted in that feeling Mm -hmm. of being vulnerable, Mm -hmm. that feeling of not being enough. Yeah, it's, it's that thing, isn't it? I'm I'm not good enough at my job. I'm not good enough at being a friend or a daughter or a wife. I'm not a good enough parent, but we're all trying our best. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I guess our takeaways 
from this chat mm. is that it's all right. It's all right. We are, that is part and part. I think maybe being aware of how much we all go through mm -hmm. in parenthood and that there is so much changing always. So we're always going to be on a back foot. We're always going to feel like we're getting things wrong, mm -hmm. but just persevering, keeping with it and talking. I think you're exactly right. That's, that is the ultimate courage is to keep doing something, even though you're not convinced it's like the perfect way of doing it, but trusting your instincts that it is. Because we're never going to see the outcome. No, we're not actually. The outcome is happening in decades' time. Yeah, and and the, yeah, you, that is it. There's never the moment you're like, oh yeah, you've done a really great job at, at parenting. Because actually, even for example, if your kid gets a good school report, I've noticed in myself, I don't take credit for that. It's it's their achievement then. Yeah. You know, so you, there's never a moment when it when it goes right. But the chances are, if you're worried you're not doing it well enough, you probably are doing it well enough. Because you care. Yeah. Because you're even having that thought. Yeah. We finish every episode of the podcast with you finishing these three sentences. Mm -hmm. Being a parent means? It means a constant juggle and not in the way that we often think, which is spinning plates, but it's holding this duality in our heads that that this is the ultimate gift, but it's, that it's really hard, that I want to be a responsible parent, but I want to be fun, that... I absolutely adore my children, but I want to keep hold of myself. Yeah. And and juggling those completely opposing ideas at once is really difficult. Really difficult. If I could tell you one thing, it would be? That it will be okay. Nice. I'm happy when? I thought long and hard about this. My ideal happiness is when I'm with my family, but we've got some distance between us and we're all kind of doing our own thing, but in the same space. That's always my kind of... There's a moment at home when I was cooking, the boys were playing football, Greta's drawing, Ben's doing some kind of DIY. And yeah, we're all there in our own little bubbles, but a shared bubble. Like a calm contentment. Yeah. I mean, it's it's probably for about two minutes, but those. That... I know. <laughs> I always think those moments where you go, ah, oh, it's amazing. It's They're done. very fleeting. It's it's seconds. You grab hold of it, and then it all falls apart. <laughs> There's always, can I have a snack? Yes, you can have a snack. <laughs> can you get it for me? Yes, I can get it for you. Or you could try and come and get it yourself. But yeah, those moments. I think that's lovely when you're kind of all ticking along in your own thing, but as one. Yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay authenticity guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. 
So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.